The Morning Spotlight podcast is sponsored by Fidelity National Title Group, the nation's largest group of title companies and title insurance underwriters that collectively issue more title insurance policies than any other title company in the United States. If you have questions, need a quote, or want to place an order, shoot yours truly, the coolest guy in title insurance, an email, and I'll be happy to help. Check the show notes for my email address. Coffee for today's episode of the Morning Spotlight Podcast was provided by Spotlighter B. Evans. Thanks, B. Really appreciate it. And for all you Spotlighters out there, if you want to support the show and keep us caffeinated, go to themorningspotlight.com and click Buy Mike a Coffee. This is Adrian Davila of Davila's Barbecue, and you're listening to The Morning Spotlight with Mike Ham. What's up, Spotlighters? Mike Ham here. Welcome to another episode of the Morning Spotlight podcast. We have another great guest for you today. Now, before I introduce him, I want you to go to Davila's BBQ on Instagram. That's D-A-V-I-L-A-S-B-B-Q. Is your mouth watering yet? Because it should be. We got Adrian Davila. He is a third-generation pitmaster from Davila's Barbecue in Seguin, Texas. This story is just incredible. His grandfather built these pits that he cooks on. He makes some amazing stuff. He's got an awesome cookbook called Cowboy Barbecue. It's really a true American dream story. I had a great time talking to Adrian. I know we had a lot of fun together, and I know you're really going to enjoy this episode. So let's hit the music and let's start the show. Good morning and welcome to the Morning Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Cam, coming to you as always from the Spotlight Studios here in Morristown, New Jersey. My guest today is a third-generation pitmaster, barbecue chef, and restaurateur at his family's acclaimed Davila's Barbecue in Seguin, Texas. He continues to honor his family's legacy and the traditions of Mexican-American cooking, all while exploring his own unique identity. He's appeared on shows like The Today Show and Taste Made has been featured on the Food Network and the Travel Channel. And now he is sitting with me on the Morning Spotlight podcast. He is Adrian Davila. Adrian, welcome to the show. Mike, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. I am so pumped to have you on. And as you know, we were kind of riffing a little bit before we got on here. And, and I, I said straight up, like, I mean, I'm a New Jersey guy, full disclosure, have never been to Texas before. Um, then when we got connected and I started learning more about your place and looking at the pictures of the food on Instagram. And if you don't follow Adrian's Instagram page, you have to, because the food just looks phenomenal. And this whole like shipping the meat across the country I feel like that's going to be something that I do here in the near future. So I would highly recommend anybody go check out the Davila's Barbecue Instagram page right now. Like you can even stop listening to this episode. Go check out the Instagram page because the pictures of the food really do this whole thing justice. So I'm excited because this is a very, like I mentioned to you before. So this is one of our Thursday episodes. We do some different conversations. Um, So I'm just curious as as we kind of get rolling here. So I want to kind of learn more about the how you got into the barbecue world. So I know you're a third generation pit master, as I mentioned, I know your grandfather started the restaurant back in 1959, I think. Um, yeah. So what, what was that like growing up? Were you just like, I'm going to be a barbecue guy. How does that work? Well, oh, you would, you would assume here in Texas that as a young person, all you do and men or, or many people, not just men or not just young, young boys, 
uh, they they dream or aspire to being in the barbecue world. I have this like saying is like, you know, if you're cooking or grilling, you're living. And if you do it for a living, you must be dreaming, right? So, but quite the contrary, I growing up in it, I could never escape it. Um, it was always like, I'm the barbecue guy, barbecue kid, got any barbecue on you. That sort of thing was always, you know, uh, I wanted to shun it. So I actually tried to avoid uh, being in the barbecue business. Or I guess to more define that, was to avoid just following what was expected of me or what was to be uh, given to me. But far from it, you know, in, in business, in any business in the barbecue world, nothing is given. Uh, we've been open since 1959. And I tell my crew uh, quite often is that it doesn't matter what we did in 1959. It matters what we do today. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a great point. So you mentioned that the barbecue thing wasn't something that you necessarily were trying, you were trying to get away from it, because it must have just been, you know, your grandfather does it, your father does it, then it's almost like you said, you're the barbecue kid. Now that's going to be your next thing. So like, was it expected from uh, of you from the family side, like, hey, your grandfather did this, your father did this, now you got to do it. Well, you know, there was more people involved at the time, more extended family, uh, cousins, brothers, sisters, uh, you know, uncles, you know, uh, or great uncles at the time. So, you know, we didn't really know where that was going to head, um, you know, but people, different people do, took different paths. And I stayed in that path. And, you know, by the time you know it, you have a passion for creating and what you're doing and, you know, and then wanted to carry on the legacy of, you know, your family name is, is basically becomes your identity. Uh, you know, you're, you know, the expressions of whether it's music or food or whatever you do. And ours is, is cooking and cooking barbecue in Texas and feeding our community. It's our identity. So it becomes something much larger to uphold and try to upkeep. Right. Was there, was there like a specific moment in time as you were kind of going through your younger years where you just finally said, okay, I'm doing it. Like I'm in. Yeah, you know, I, I may have, I've said it before, but it, it's just that that time where I remember as a child, um, you know, it was before you would break down sides of beef, things were, came less processed, so things came more on the bone, and whole, whole animals or carcasses, and my grandfather, you know, would have those in the in the fridge until a young boy, you know, kid playing around in the restaurant, you know, it was, could be, a, you know, somewhat of a gory experience. But I saw, you know, when he would break down those items and turn it into something which I would see as beautiful, um, as you know, cooking the sausage and, and going from transforming from one thing uh, to another, and then going out in the front and seeing people enjoy it and smile and creating memories in essence is what you do with food. And when you could something that you could create would create somebody's memories, which is always embedded in somebody, uh, you know, with your food memories and where you eat and where you had it. I, I saw a different value in that. And I was like, uh, I'm in. It wasn't, I guess, about the money. It was that what created the the passion for what we do. Right. So so talk to me about like what the the transition was like from just being like the kid to being the guy. Like now you like when people I'm sure when people hear Davila's barbecue and they know that you're Adrian Davila, they probably say, oh, this guy started this restaurant. But obviously we've already established that that's not the case. But talk to me about the transition from but just being, you know, the kid kind of cutting your teeth 
learning the business, learning how to barbecue. Cause obviously if you can't do it and if you suck at, at cooking barbecue, it doesn't matter if the place has been around since 1959, like you said, you're, you're not going to last. So talk to me about the transition from just being part of the crew to being the guy. Well, you know, and I, it's, you know, you're not really asked those things so much. So, you know, now at my age, you know, I'm 25, 30 years down the road. And, and that's a great question because I think of those things, well, as family members, you know, and teenagers and whatnot, we mostly worked in the front of the house per se. And, you know, when things would slow down and maybe customers weren't in line, you know, I wanted to venture to the back and learn what was going on and learn what was going on with my grandfather. And, you know, I, I guess to be part of uh, the people in the back were always older, more experienced. And so in order to gain their respect, I learned Spanish and learn how to barbecue and learn what they were doing and be able to do it alongside them. And like you said, if you can't barbecue and know how to do it, then, you know, what does it matter? You don't bring any value. So, you know, 18, 19 years old, um, you know, working b- alongside people that were 45, 50 and beyond have been there a much longer time. You know, that's whenever I started. I, the, the time was, to answer the question more accurately, is my grandfather um, was leaving and he basically let me said that if, if it's going to happen, you're going to gain these people's respect. He's not going to inform them of anything. And it was time for me to step it up. And that's what I did. And for the next couple of days or so, when I manned the pits, I knew there was a transition there because I had I had done the service, what you would deem the service for those those days. I had done it myself. And you know, that was a I felt this like bond within this like, you know, a notch in my belt after that. And from there I never looked back. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's a, a great answer to a question that, you, like you said, you don't get asked a lot. And I told you, I did my research. So I'm not asking you all the same questions that maybe you've been asked before. So um, <laughs> one of the okay. thing, yeah. So one of the things that I was also curious is just because, like, I like to consider myself uh, a bit of an amateur backyard barbecue enthusiast. So I have a little pit barrel, and I smoke ribs, and I smoke, you know, shoulders and whatever else. And I suck at beef. So I probably wouldn't, you know, make it in Texas. But um, what are you cooking on? Like, so I know you said you've been man in the pits. What are the pits like? Like, what, how would you describe them? Well, you know, <laughs> from, uh, you know, that's, you know, from what I understand the audience, you know, from, from the show to be somewhat um our, our pits would be what would, would, would look like a room they're massive um you know we can literally cook in one pit at one time about 80 briskets um which is about 10 cases which would translate for easily a thousand people um and then we have two and my grandfather designed all these and he built them with his own hands so these are the and, same pits that have been there since 1959 yeah. Yes. It's, well, and this build in Seguin, we moved into '59, and in, from Luling to Seguin. Okay. And from, in 1973, uh, we moved into the building we are currently at today. Um, and those pits were built built then, but then again, you're already still talking about going on 50 years. Um, and then there's two rotisserie style pits that are almost like a a, um, a lazy Susan style yeah. with three the fire in the middle 
Well, I, I think it's sort of, a, it's important in its way of what you mostly see um, today, the mainstream is going to be the propane tank barrel offset on one side. And that's what likely you'll see most on Instagram if you uh, Google or look at uh, barbecue pits nowadays. So these are very unique and, um, you know, it, it's, they cook more, a little more hot. Um, but I say going back to with you, what you use, you can still make it happen at home. Just put that little fire on the side and then you're, you're smoking off offset already. And it's not direct. It's not under it. Right. Right. So any, any of them, you can make it work. And, um, you know, I found that when I was writing the book, you know, a lot of what people did overall, that's what barbecue started as just putting something over the fire and moving it over just a little bit. Cause if you think of like vaqueros or cowboys or people on the, um, that were you know, essentially moving over grassland. So they were somewhat nomadic. Um, they're just cooking over open flames and they had to figure it out. You know, and I think that's part of the beauty of what we do and what we did is my grandfather just figured out there wasn't this, great science and mastery of barbecue and all this information out there from YouTube and Instagram and the, you know, the plethora of barbecue content that there is now, uh, you know, there was really just figuring it out. And I think that's, what's beautiful about people doing it at home is just, just figure it out, make it yourself, make it your own. Right. Yeah. And you have no formal culinary training, right? You just trial you know, by fire, so to speak. You know, and I, I, you know, when somebody said it to me in a, in a way or kind of put it in perspective that I, I have, you know, no culinary training, um, but I was able, you know, to make a couple appearances and have cooked against some very distinguished people and, you know, was able, you know, was able to fare well against them. And, um, of course, with the cookbook and, you know, definitely not a writer you know, and, and, um, other things that I, I don't have the business, um, traditional institutional background of business, uh, the acumen where I got myself was today was, you know, just, uh, pounding the rock. And I think that's important for, for people to know was, um, you know, either way you, you, you get it, the education, either way, it's, it's really your choice, but in the end, it's what you do with it. It's right. what's really important. Yeah. So let's dive into that part about it a little bit more, because we mentioned before we get on that you thought that it may be a good idea, especially given the scope of the audience would be to talk maybe a little bit about the the business aspect of it, because we do a lot of business on this show. One of the things that I did want to get to before we got into that part, though, was just from the culinary side of it. And I think that's where I was going with that earlier question is that you have um, uh I almost said Seguin barbecue, but it's not that. It's Davila's barbecue in Seguin, duh. And um, so the 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 place, you know, it, it's current building, right? 1979, you said 1970, 72, 72. Excuse me. So 1972 it was 1959, the original spot. But Correct. the from the culinary side of it, is there was there pressure as you were trying to grow the business and grow the, I guess the menu for lack of a better word, was there pressure maybe to kind of stick to the traditions and you maybe wanted to try to expand and grow to kind of attract maybe a different type of customer. Um, talk to me about maybe if, if that was a struggle at all for you kind of moving through, like you said, you've been in this business 25, 30 years now. So how is that, you know, how has that worked? Yeah, that, that's, it's a really, a, another great question. Um, 
have never now again where I'm at in my career in life. Um, and looking back through things, it's, it's cool to answer. Um, because throughout our, uh, my career and um, I guess our take or our, our strategy or our, our approach uh, with business or with the barbecues, you know, we're trying to make money. We're trying to put food on our table. We're trying to sustain a family or, you know, household. So the consumer obviously drives, you know, what we, what we sell. And in Seguin, a couple of parts to that answer is, um, you know, we, San Antonio and Austin are about 35, 45 minutes away. So when you talk about different types of food um, that were here or available, uh, and one way was catering. So yes, we had our regular barbecue catering menu and customer, but if somebody wanted something other than, or maybe a little on the higher end, you know, the caterers weren't so abundant in that space here. So that allowed me to uh, teach myself. And I said, yeah, you know, we can do that. And, you know, I had to teach myself to do it and really get into other aspects of the catering and, you know, whether it was on um, live fire or, you know, something like filet mignon, you know, with a peppercorn sauce for a thousand people, you know, with no culinary training, you know, you had to figure it out and, you know, so we're down to maybe a Hawaiian luau or just, you know, all these different things that people would come up with that I kind of locally became known as that guy. Like, he'll, he'll do that. And so that allowed me to expand my repertoire of different kind of foods, techniques. And, of course, you know, what catering does is you're, you're, you're an exhibitionist. You know, you're putting on a show. Yeah. So, you know, allowed me to do that. also really express myself in that way. But locally within the restaurant, at one time, we had two restaurants in Seguin uh, because where we at now, um, at the time, which this would have been in the early 90s, uh, was more in, a, you know, to lack of a better term, the barrio, the hood, um, much more surrounded by residential. Uh, it was a residential area. And so the retail anchors were on the other side of town. Uh, where the highway ran through and that sort of thing where it's again progressed away from us at the time. And in order for us to keep our foothold, um, you know, and, you know, stay ahead of the game was to have presence on the other side. So we built a restaurant there, which actually was twice the size of, um, of the original location at drive through. And you know, it was kind of more of an up-to-date version. And with that different, Part of the community was different wants and needs, you know, to, to where my menu expanded to, like, the menu expanded, like, at the time, it, it sounds, I, I pause because it sounds so normal now. Yeah, we right. Baked potatoes with barbecue, we had nachos with barbecue, the brisket tacos, macaroni and cheese, corn, all 100% staples now. Nobody had that. Not 15, 20 years ago, it wasn't normal barbecue things. You know, it was like stay to your brand, Adrian. You know, like stay to barbecue. And we did, we, you know, it was a different crowd. Um, so, you know, we did different things. Uh, our burgers, um, you know, the catfish and catfish and shrimp. And, you know, it was really kind of more of a broad menu. Southern Texas fair. Um, but I did definitely maybe go too far sometimes. And I luckily had the right people at the right time to steer me back in. 
I'd play around sometimes with daily specials, and this is before social media. And I was I was doing a Philly cheesesteak. <laughs> and and then we there was some review or something, and I, I have a, a good uh mentor uh in the branding aspect of it, and he said, never forget you're an old school barbecue place. That's your identity. You can do these deviations of your barbecue twists, but always be rooted in that. And so I found, you know, that to be very, you know, fortifying and the way I approach it, you know, because the review said, I walked up to this old school barbecue place and on the front, I saw a Philly cheesesteak being advertised and was confused. And at no time more than ever had I felt the, how right that customer was, yeah, right? right. Like, what the F, you know? <laughs> That's not what we're here for. Yeah, come all the way to Texas, probably from Philly, to get a Philly cheesesteak. They're like, no way, bro. That's not gonna happen. But you know, at the time, I thought I was, you know, just filling the void and playing around and being this like, oh, restaurant, whatever. They could, what the hell I was thinking. But you know, I I know I always needed to be grounded. My brand needed to be grounded, and you know, well, who we are, and that didn't mean that I couldn't, you know, kind of play around with because. Now, you know, fast forward from then 1998, late 90s, early 2000s, and those things I speak of, how many barbecue places do you go to know that doesn't have a brisket taco on their menu, you know, that doesn't serve macaroni and cheese, that doesn't serve even smoked turkey breast? Almost every, to everybody, those are very prominent items in the barbecue industry now in Texas. Yeah. Um, so, which, you know, and that's too, like, I didn't start it and not claiming that, but you did see how it was like brisket, potato salad, and beans before, you know, a brisket and sausage and brisket, rib and sausage, potato salad, and beans. Like that was the norm. Now, our biggest sellers, macaroni and cheese, you know, one of our biggest sellers, um, um, the turkey breast or, you know, some of those food food plays, uh, the barbecue Frito pie was on the cooking channel, man, for food, because continuing to talk about the business aspect of it, it's an Instagram world now. Yes. So the, the good that are different, you know, that get a lot of play, you know, that's what drives things. So as an entrepreneur, you really got to identify like, okay, what are people going after, you know, and, and that's part of it now is like, but again, not getting away from it too much, but you know, you're, you're aware of where the barbecue industry is at this moment. Right. Yeah. So I think that's a real, that was a great answer. Um, and I, I think I'm going to pick a couple things out of there and kind of combine them for this next question. So one of the things that you mentioned was the mentor saying that you are an old school barbecue place. And that's what people that, you know, I like, I mean, I would imagine that I, I would like to go to an old school barbecue place. It's funny because I was just at a barbecue place with a client actually earlier today in Newark, New Jersey, and all those things that you just listed are on that menu. So just, I, I know for a fact that at least this one place has literally everything you just said, brisket tacos, macaroni and cheese, the whole, the whole kit and caboodle for sure. So, um, so yeah, so talk to me about the, the balance about that you're in an Instagram world, a social media driven world, very visual, very like popping, that kind of thing, marrying that with the old school vibe of, of Davila's barbecue. Like how, how do you make that, make that magic? How do you make that magic sauce for, for lack of a better term? Yeah, that's, you know, again, these are all just such great questions because it's such an interesting um, 
important, you know, thing to be addressed, you know, now and who you are and what you do, um, it, you know, and like what works, right? Because in the end, you're just trying to figure out what works. So that it should always be the focus, right? And in the end, what you just want it to work and, and be a viable thing that's sustainable. And so, you know, like for instance, for us, um, so from a social media standpoint, before that I had made um, several or these different appearances and become an author and, and those things, um, I was the spokesperson or the, the voice, you know, of, of Davi Leslie's social media. And like, what was I doing? What was I making today? You know, what are we doing? You know, what's he coming up with next? Um, sort of thing. But then as the more things that I started doing, because now like we have again the, the, uh, the rub, you know, there's, there's different tentacles of the business now that encompass like my part of it and not just the restaurant. But now the restaurant and its social media speaks from its um, almost like a, its historical old soul of a voice that we stick to and what we adhere to in our practices and our methods and our approach. And everything's always based in our, you know, in the tradition. And um, again, just the, the, the approach of just like, just trying to go about like the right way or our way and what we know and, and, and help visualize that like our wood that's, you know, we're burning in those old pits and, you know, like down to, where we're slicing the meat, you know, in the same area that's, you know, always moving forward with, with, you know, what needs to be modern, but, you know, wrapping our sandwiches in butcher paper and just all those things that we know work and we try to really visualize and, and bring across in our social media and our messaging um, because people, they trust brands, you know, they trust brands that they know what they're going to get and what they stand for more than ever. Now people want to align themselves or stand with a brand that they believe and not only what they sell, but what, why they sell it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great point. So I had mentioned to you earlier that we had Carrie Bringle on the show and this episode is going to post a couple, I think maybe a month and a half after Carrie's episode, because his is already posted. But one of the things that he said was that, you know, people, when they're going to whatever they're buying, whether they're listening to a podcast, whether they're buying barbecue, whether they're buying title insurance, which is what I sell, they want to know that like what's behind the person that's selling it is authentic. And like, I know that that word gets thrown around uh, quite a bit, but they want to know that it has a real story. And that's what I think that is, is so well conveyed by, I mean, I'm just, I'm on the website right now. Like, I feel like this place is, it says established 1959 on this logo, which I think this logo is amazing. I love this logo. It's my grandfather. Grandfather. Yeah. I think that's tremendous, you know, and I think that that you're right. Yeah. Phenomenal. And even that, you know, there was, you know, a lot of, I'll let you finish and I'll, I'll touch it with him uh, yeah. on the front Yeah. And I think that that like truly encapsulates like that, that whole thing is like, they can go to that Instagram page, which I plugged at the very beginning of the episode, see all the cool new things that they're doing, but then they have like a picture of you holding up a brisket in front of one of those old brick pits. And it's like, wow, like that's so cool. And you get like this feeling and like this thing that it it's well, it goes well beyond just you trying to make money as a business, which you are, let's be real. You're running a business. It goes even deeper than that because it's your, it's your family. It's, 
your community. It's your culture. It's all these different things that I think is just like, to me, like I, I almost got gave myself the chills just now just talking about it just because I think that it's so, it's so cool. And I think it's done in such a, like a delicate, but also very profound way. Thank you. I appreciate that because I, I work very hard at that. And, um, I guess, um, I can't really mention his name due to him, but I will talk about it afterwards, but I've had, um, a good mentor that was uh, one of my best friends that has a very, because I, I've got to give it some credit to him that has helped me guide me and see me and, and, and sort of help me develop that as a brand and what that is. And, you know, exactly what you said, like that gives me chills knowing that that's what's come through to you and that's what's conveyed. And that's the way it feels, uh, you know, because again, two things with what you're saying, it's, it's only attributed to is, you know, we had, um, I think we rebranded, I guess about five, six, seven years ago, which was before we had a, a, a bar, a pig, <laughs> you can look at it. Um, just that traditional 1950s, 60s logo of this pig holding a fork. And there's a many reasons that we, we, we wanted to, to switch it up. But we first looked at, he said, like we spoke of a second ago, it's like this, you know, this graceful man, uh, you know, cooking your food. It's a feeling of comfort. And when you have like this wisdom and, you know, there's like grandpa looking over the pit and serving you from his table and it's, it's uh, who we are. Sorry about that. Okay. All right. We're back. Uh, <laughs> it's who we are. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry about that. Who we are. And, um, you know, the simplicity of it and, you know, those things, you know, it's, it's one color and the logos like looks must be little, you know, like sausage and those connotations. Yeah. And I, I actually lost track of one of my points. The second part of your, of what you were saying earlier, can you repeat that again? Uh, so I talked about how I like the logo. I talked about how the the way that the social media and the website and everything is kind of put together. Um, oh. It kind of marries that old school and new school social media mentality in a great, uh, very cool way. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And so, you know, with that being said, and that presence and what you spoke of earlier um, now, like, oh, okay. So what I was going to say about, you know, the, the thing with the affiliation of the family and how it mends well. I did a pop-up a couple of years ago when I released the book in Colombia in Bogota. And it was at a couple of restaurants where we did at one, uh, an American, an American uh, driven both establishments. One was like burger steak fair called the ugly American shout out to them. And the other one uh, was called La Fama, uh, the fame famous. Um, But with that being said, is when I was there, the media, one thing that was said to me is, you know, it's, it's one thing that you're, and we're talking about authenticity is the reason I want to be in the Yeah, yeah, authenticity. Right. It's a much bigger thing there than here. She, because like one of the reporters said, um, she said, well, you're not just somebody from a normal state. I'm not going to say the state, she said. But was it, it New a, Jersey? Was it New Jersey? <laughs> she was like, it's not like you're from, I like this is a state not known for barbecue. Okay. Well, New You're Jersey. Yeah. Texan barbecue guy. She's like, you can't buy that, you know? And uh, again, like what you say, you know, like he, we are who we are is, you know, I, I've, you know, I just, this is me. We talk about barbecue. I am of it. Like I've 
almost did it. I didn't want to be a part of it, but you know, when my grandfather, my dad, you know, not me, and when you talk about you know people doing things for over like ten thousand hours, we've definitely all three of us put that many hours in over that pit, you know. So it becomes something different at, at, in the end. Uh, you know, when you say we talk about authenticity, is you can't buy that. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it, it just shows that you're like the real deal. You know, it's like, it, it's, uh, it definitely, especially I feel like in a, a world in Texas, which is like, obviously on my bucket list where, you know, like, I feel like my vision of Texas is you drive and you're just seeing football games and barbecue joints. Like that's all you really have down in Texas. Oh, people with Cowboy hats, you know, like that's, that's really it. Plenty of churches also. Churches. And- you know that the kind of kicker into that sort of equation is um i married a third generation rancher and we now we have a cattle ranch that we operate and so you think in texas like it doesn't really get much more texas as far as uh, <laughs> so, uh what you would think of it is i come home from my uh, barbecue place my cattle ranch and tend to the cattle and so a beautiful space out here uh, in a town called Kingsbury, Texas. And so, you know, I, I probably couldn't be much more of that, uh, you know, that prototype or or that idea of what you think somebody in Texas right. is meaning to be. But my wife uh, grew up doing this. So luckily we have this beautiful piece of land and these cows attend to. And it's really been an honor to like really see what the process is from beginning to end. Yeah. It's really, really right. cool thing. Yeah, I love that too. Like the the Texan part, like you're all in Texan and I love that. And then just from just like the idea with the whole like start to finish type thing because that doesn't happen. You know, like you know, like I go to, I go to the supermarket or you know, I have right. a I have a butcher. Okay. It's way different. Yeah. Way different, you yeah. know. And that was me too all of my life. I can't, you know, speak any different. Um, you know, really really seeing that and you know, you just have a different reverence for for the animal also, you know. Right. And, um, you know, it's you kind of know. Also, you get and you step further back, and be like, "This is what it's about." You yeah. know, living and food and nourishing yourself, and you know, it's an arduous, difficult process too. What can be, um, you know, uh, you know, out here in the country, think of it. There's, there's always a. I mean, not to get into something like morbid, but there's always death in the country there's always things dying you're always killing things or before they be skinning things and you know there's emergency services 20 30 minutes away from here and you know you're constantly trying to keep yourself alive keep your cows alive there's rattlesnakes out here there's kind of there's a lot that goes on again i'm here and you're you're surrounded by life and death and uh uh on a daily basis you know, you know, we see buzzers across the way. We got to make sure that we don't have an animal down and it's, it's real life. Because it's not just like you don't want to lose a pet. You're losing money. Yeah. And so, you know, it's very real here. And, you know, we have to take a pistol and our snake boots if we go and on that property because there's a real chance you're going to see you know, something that could hurt you very bad. And, you know, so uh, I love it. I love the thrill of it. I love the challenge of it. A lot of people wouldn't want anything to do with that, but it 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 it's um it's great life. Yeah, yeah, I I love that too. We don't get that here where I live here in New Jersey. It just doesn't 
doesn't happen. It happens in different parts of New Jersey. Like where my parents live, it's a little bit more rustic. They get bears and coyotes and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So like they have to deal with that and they have animals yeah. and stuff too. So like they, you know, they have to be careful. Same right. Yeah. So um, one of the other things from the business aspect that I did want to touch on. Um, so like you, we've talked about how like you've manned the pits, you've probably 10,000 hours, probably way more than that on the pits, cooking it, start to finish the whole thing. We talked about the social media side of it and the branding side of it, the website, the social media. So as the guy, and we mentioned this before, like going from just like, you know, part of the crew to the guy, at what point do you start to like, are you the guy running the pits? I mean, are you, are you back at the front of house because you are the owner? Um, how, how does that work now? You know, again, again, I love your questions because, you know, so many things have transpired this last uh, year and a half and so many things also that are relatable, I'm sure, to your audience that have transpired that have made these things that have really shaped these things. So the last three to four years, um, there was a lot going on. We had our food truck going on out three to four days a week, and we've really been short of help you know, um, labor shortages. When the pandemic hit, going on two years now, my role became a give more, you know, I had, I was in the pits, you know, started every day because I had to, there was nobody there. Uh, I had done a book tour um, previous for like a year and a half. I had kind of been gone doing, you know, those things and things weren't where they should have been. And I really had to jump in and straighten them out. Uh, we weren't where I wanted us to be, where we needed to be uh, with the food quality in the restaurant. And that was very challenging. And it was a slap in the face that, you know, you realize that, you know, here I was promoting this book, uh, doing, you know, doing the Today Show and occupied with other things. And things, you know, weren't as quality, the quality wasn't where it needed to be in the restaurant. So I jumped in and it was a it was a writer that came and did a review, and I was just floored. I, I was so disappointed because what he spoke of was right. It was you know it was a hard truth. I had to jump in. I spent the last few years doing that, but with all of these things that we've developed, um, now shipping online with Gold Belly, as you spoke of, is a big part of it. That went up two hundred percent. We have like the cookbook that we're still distributing and promoting. You know, and and just different tentacles of the business of catering. Um, now we've installed a drive-through, and again the social media and all these aspects. I've know that I've had to become much more of a CEO of the operation because that's that's just where we're at. Um, you know, I always say you throw enough shit on the wall, to, you know, crap on the wall. You can say um, shit. We throw shit against the wall here all the time, and we just see what sticks. That's how we've gotten to where we are today. Well, you know, here I was. I've always been a dream. You know, it's, it's really, it was always just, I dream we're going to write a cookbook. I dream our seasoning's going to be on retail shelves. You know, I dream we're going to be on this, you know, like, those are all like, and I say you dream because those are all very much just, you know, we're thankful for the opportunities, you know. But as these things transpire, and then they start to happen, and then there is a cookbook, and then there is the rub, and there is shipping online. But beyond, you know, and then there is how important uh, social media is. And, you know, and I even do a, a local uh, thing for a local TV station. And they give me, it's called Tips from the Pit. On case at 12, which they allow me to create my own content at home. And because of the pandemic, you know, they're all looking for content. So just like I'm doing this 
at home as maybe before we had done in studio, you know, so all those things have shifted. So really keeping those things in front of me and the business side of the rub and all those things, uh, I've known that I've really had to step beyond and not just be in the pit every day, not just be at the counter and, I'm, you know, implementing um, ways of doing things. And now temperature gauges and all the timing and recordings of the barbecue. So those techniques can just be passed down and, and not just relying on me and my years of experience on handling the pit because that's not always going to be the case now, you know, we're beyond that. And that's been one of the most challenging aspects of, of my transition because, you know, my dad, plus his heart, he's 71 years old, but he didn't believe in any of those things. He wanted to do it by, you know, the way we do it. Yeah. He, he didn't like us taking temperature of the meat or, you know, cause he didn't need that. And I said, I know you don't need that, but these people do. And you're not back there and, and I'm not all the time either. So that's been really, really challenging is moving these things forward and creating policies and procedures where there's been absolutely none. You know, there's written or, or recorded, you know, was, you know, you think of it, my grandfather doing, he, he put every stick of wood in there, turned every piece of meat himself, or if it wasn't, his, he was going to have it done, or, you know, under his guidance. He didn't have to worry about these other things that we thankfully have to worry about now with a book and rub and all, you know, so he didn't have those things. He was the man in the pit and my grandfather and my dad took care of waiting on people in the front. So, you know, those were equally divided and they worked out then to where I've had to find, you know, somewhere in the middle and where there wasn't going to be you know, those people that absolutely cared with their, you know, every bit of their heart about the way those things uh, got handled. Now you challenge, you know, keeping a crew there with our shortages and all of those things and, and being busier. We we had the most busy uh, year on record to date. Thank God, like our sales have really been. Yeah, no, that's great. And I think that's another thing that you said in there that I think is such a great point is that like, you know, obviously you need to implement these policies and procedures to to maintain like the the quality of that old school way of doing things, because it, especially something that's so ingrained in someone like you and your father and your grandfather and like your family and everything like that. Cause we mentioned it a couple of times, like the family aspect of it, the community aspect of it, because they're expecting a certain quality of product from, from you guys. That's why they're going to your restaurant, you know, like the culture side of it, the whole thing. Like if you're not getting a hundred percent buy-in from your, from your crew, which is possible because, you know, I mean, it's like you said, there's a, a staffing shortage. So I'm sure you're, you're, you don't have like the, the pick of everybody that you would ever want. Like you don't have a team of all these experienced barbecue people running your pits and, you know, whatever else. So I, I think that's, that's really important. So even though it may, that's not the way they used to do it, you need to do that to make sure that those, that quality stays the same. Yeah, it's been, it's, it's been really, to say the least, challenging, you want to say, a nightmare. Um, you know, again, there's 25,000 people, you know, um, you know, and our pay tier, you know, there's, is not in the top pay tiers, you know, restaurants usually aren't, um, you know, you're competing with, um, industrial jobs here, um, manufacturing jobs, you know, that are, you know, at a higher pay scale, you know, of course, also with the uh, demographic that you're, commonly find in a restaurant, you know, that uh, age of worker and that person, 
know, kind of adds to that. So definitely has been, you know, but at the same time, with that being said, it got me back to my roots. Like it, it helped me go back to every part of the cooking and what we were doing. Cause at one point I had to do it myself. I, at one point during the pandemic, um, you know, we go in there and on like a Sunday, it was maybe me and one other person in the morning and going from, you know, putting the meat on and putting the barbecue sauce, you know, and the beans and like all the food, like I put it on, which is fine. You know, I'm fully capable of it, but it was, you know, it was one of those, he's like, like, wow, this, this is where we're at. Oh, you, know? <laughs> you know, you know, it was, it was daunting. Yeah. yeah. And at the same time, it was like, you know, like, let's do it. And we're going to do it this way. And my, you know, not my way, it's the way it should be done, you know. Um, again, I talking about my experience, you know, you put it in perspective, you know, as you know, you know, part of the challenge is um again, when I came in the business, you know, we were you know, nobody ever had any culinary experience or right. I mean uh traditional schooling. My grandmother, my grandfather, you know, my dad, and then what which is pretty, which is pretty consistent. I feel like amongst old school barbecue places, right? Yeah. But then when you evolve into like what needs to be a formal kitchen as a drive-through and production and prep and staging and just the whole process, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, when I went, you know, you realize like, oh yeah, I, I, I don't come from that background. Just the, in your face, uh, in moment uh, in New York. 2019 doing pop up, you know, I'm in Manhattan at a restaurant takeover, you know, some of the most valuable and sought after restaurant space in, in the world. And the honor to cook at a, a Mexican place, uh, food called La Contenta. And at the time of the chef was having, you know, just like anywhere else, staffing problems, just like anywhere else. So I get there, service was for Saturday, I'm there Friday morning. Um, you know, not really knowing what to expect, but I get there and he was short. So I said, you know, you just gonna have to get on it, just get to it. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> okay. And there was so many things wrong, but I was winning this 100% organized, refined, like machine ready kitchen that was like, you know, they had their stuff going and together. And I quickly realized how untrained and how, where I came from. Yeah, you know, a barbecue kitchen or this, you know, well-oiled machine running right New York, and here I was, you know, to leave with no formal training, and it was like, well, but I was in, like, I literally said, "What the f did you get yourself into?" <laughs> I, you know, and he was like, "We were sold out for tomorrow. There's over 120 covers scheduled," and I was just like, <laughs> mortified because I. I'd never been in an organized kitchen, like, you know, I literally hadn't. I never worked in another restaurant. I'd never been in like an organized kitchen. So I had to learn and, and, and figure it out. So yeah. I can't say, like, you better figure it out. <laughs> Here we are, this bad kitchen at a restaurant. Yeah. You better figure it out. So those were, again, when I got through it, I looked back and I'm like, okay, well, you didn't come from organized kitchen. That's who you are, you know. Yeah, but but I think it's all this has been so great. I do want to give you a chance to talk about the book a little bit because we've we've flirted with it a couple times. So it's called Cowboy Barbecue, right? Yes. So uh, talk to me a little bit about the book. So Cowboy Barbecue, um, you know, again when when you you know like 
the, the connotation that that infers and, you know, maybe the visuals that they give you right away, uh, it's kind of different to everybody, but I found the more I, I dove into my story, who I was, what my ancestry was, um, I learned more of, uh, during the Spanish Inquisition, my family was, well, my family stems from Avila, Spain, which in direct translation, Davila is their Avila. Um, and doing my research of the book, which was a little bit before Ancestry.com, I went to Avila, Spain, uh, found my family armistice. So the story began there, and then leading into like the Spanish Inquisition, which obviously we know what that was in history, was my ancestors um, came over to the Americas as horse traders. And a lot of those men were former of the Spanish uh, war. So they had a lot of training in surviving in the wild, which naturally you would, okay, you get it because there wasn't much else to do than in, in those times. Well, those people also became the vaqueros and the cowboys of the Americas, which were the original cowboys that were moving their herds to the lands of the missions, which were the churches that were so prominent in socioeconomic uh, importance of my area, right, where I grew up, which was, which began San Antonio, Texas, was a Spanish mission. So my story tied along with all the region. And so I started to put the food together with that. Why we ate flour tortillas, not corn, but because the Spanish missionaries saw grow, uh, corn as a demigod of the Native Americans. So that's why they wiped it corn out in this area at the time, which they grew wheat, which in Mexico, you're going to find only corn tortillas. In South Texas, you only really find flour. So a lot of those things which I find had these, again, these socioeconomic ties and these religion ties of why we ate, what we ate, became what much more the story to me of just like how to cook something, right? right. I wanted to know why, what got us here, you know, how these ingredients and these, these things become of and, you know, part of it is like how we also, we, you know, we're such in a movement of this, like, nose to tail and, you know, uh, you know, of course, organic, which is whatever that may be is I find myself asking my mom, like, why did you use canned tomatoes? Like, why would you do that? You know, or, or powdered chiles. Well, she's like, because in the 60s and 70s, that was much more like the convenient, cool thing to do. Like why labor yourself over all these tomatoes and 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 cooking these chiles and you know that's what you know that was this was the new thing right yeah which really like moved us away from more authentic things which now we find ourselves reaching back for right we want that chiles cooked not powdered we want you know those tomatoes the heirloom you know and all of those things so. That was so interesting to me of, um, again, this, like the socioeconomic happenings and where we fit in those and how that affected me, all these things. And the last kind of part of that is I remember as a younger boy um, in Catholic school and a lot of Hispanics would bring, you know, their lives to school. A lot of times they were ashamed of it, um, you know, because we were eating, uh, you know, organs and what people would say like you know there was this kind of like barbacoa there was like this you know um 
myths about it and you know we'd be picked on uh, and other kids would cry and want to give their lunch when they didn't want to eat it and i always found it so weird because i was so proud of my food i love you know barbacoa tacos and menudo and all those things so being able to shed light uh, and then i whenever i started to write the book i found how these kids these foods of my youth that were uh, again i mean sometimes being you know shunned we're now like in the spotlight. Like now you hear about birria tacos everywhere and, you know, like uh, barracoa everywhere, which, you know, being able to like tell the story of that and shed a positive light. And now it's like a star was like very empowering to me and telling that story of, you know, not saying what a cowboy was straight, but, you know, you think of a cowboy driving a chuck wagon or say, or that sort of imagery. Well, those were settlers. That wasn't a cowboy. A vaquero was of the cows. A, a vaquero vaca is a man that lived in, which they didn't eat meat because they didn't have it. They were nomads. And so really, you know, sorting that story out and being a part of that story of my history was like super, uber cool. That sounds really cool. And it's at Barnes & Noble, right? I can get it at Barnes & Noble. Yeah. Noble, Amazon, you know, all across our platforms. And I might go drive to Barnes and Noble right after this episode and go pick it up myself. So cool to see it like in New York at the time, you know, like in Barnes and Noble down on Fifth or whatnot, or uh, for whatever it was, but just to see it in New York at the time. Because it, it wasn't, it's not, it never has been about um, like whatever the, you know, the, the more of the, the, the vicarious part of that would be it was more of because like, people ask me oh, you're sharing your barbecue secrets i'm like do you know how proud my grandfather would be somebody in ireland is cooking his food that you been like that's an honor to us you know yeah. we, you know we don't we don't see this giving anything away we see things as sharing and you know, sharing who we are right so i have two more questions before we get to our, our closing segment i'm so happy that you said that at the very end because that was going to be my next question like do you ever stop and kind of reflect on the fact that you know like you said your grandfather would be so pumped that somebody in ireland is cooking your stuff and you said that you're in new york city you know if you go into a barnes and noble in new york city biggest city in the world boom there's your face on a cookbook in that Barnes and Noble. Like how crazy is that from, from That's, your grandfather building pits by himself in 1959 and then 1972, like to, to now, like how, I mean, to me, that is like, that is, if you want to talk about like an American dream story, that's American dream story right there. I mean, that is entrepreneurship to the max, you know, spread out over generations. You know, I was, I was gonna, there's one of the shows that was really the food network show or, or the today show. And shout out to Orchard Street Hotel, little small hotel of standing orchards, that I love. And this one room has a balcony, one of the best views of the city. You can look all the way uptown, all the way downtown to the Lower East Side. You can see all the way to the America, the the, the Newton Tower, the new tower, well, all the way up to the Empire State Building. And I'm sitting there, and it was nighttime, and I, it was going to go on the next day, or had been on. <laughs> I can never say this without trying to tear up, but I thought about exactly what you just said. I see, you know, my grandfather just built a pit to cook to feed his family. Um, and, uh, to look at all these bright lights and, and, you know, like one of the greatest cities in the world, getting to do this for like entertainment or whatever it may be, you know, is, is 
the American dream for sure. Yeah, yeah. I get without crying. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. It's it's freaking yeah. powerful. It is oh, very you know, powerful. Like, who, who gets to say that? Not many people, honestly. You know, like I, to me, like it, it is again chills. Like this is the second time I've gotten chills on an episode. <laughs> And that, like, we have a lot of fun on this episode, and we've gotten into some deep topics and everything. But just like the the power of this story from start to finish has just been incredible. So I like I really appreciate you coming on and sharing that with us and sharing how how important it is. And I think that goes back to what we were talking about before about how um, authentic and the real deal and the real article and like all that kind of stuff. Like when you look at all this stuff, and I'm not bullshitting you. Like that's what I feel. And then talking to you, I get it even more. Like I, I'm feeling what you're feeling and how important this is to you so it's not just oh, i'm gonna write a cookbook and i'm gonna make a shitload of money it's i'm gonna write a cookbook because it's good it's gonna be a testament and an honoring of everything that everybody had, that has done before me not i mean and it goes like you said it's more than just your grandfather and your father and then you it is your whole family you know what i mean like it's everybody had a hand in some aspect of this over time and just to honor that i think is incredible it's just it's it blows my mind you just blew my mind when you just gave the preface of my book. That's what it says. It says, this is an honor to everybody that came before me and had a part of this. Incredible. It's, it's fantastic. And I, I really appreciate you being vulnerable with us and sharing that. And I, I know that, you know, I know you didn't want to get emotional, but I'm glad that you did because I think that it's still, it really makes the whole thing that much better. So I, I appreciate it. So we'll, for, for just, you know, for your sake, we'll get off of this one, uh, this yeah. particular topic. Uh, we'll move it into one more question. Then we'll get into our closing segment and then we'll wrap it up. So, um, so I always like to ask people, especially entrepreneurs like yourself about goals. So obviously you've achieved a lot. You've accomplished a lot. You, you guys are growing and you said you just, you know, uh, had your uh, most sales in a year uh, this past year, 2020, or is that this year so far? Uh, both. both. <laughs> it's the same trajectory. You know, it never, it never stopped. You know, even when there's like these laws and, and times that we know, you know, to expect this or that. And, you know, it's pretty much stayed, you know, consistent, uh, you know, since all of this began. So for various reasons, you know, but yeah, both years have been, been the two busiest years that we've ever experienced. Thank God. Yeah, absolutely. Especially like you said, with everything going on and, and all that kind of stuff, but let's look, let's just look over like the next year. Are there any things that you're hoping to accomplish, uh, over the next year that are like, you know, we got to get this done or we're going to get this done over the next year? Well, I, you know, I want to start my new a new cookbook. Um, I have that in the works. I, it's very much at its primal stage, but I've only now started to really devote my attention to that and what that is, and you know, uh, where where it's going to be. Um, we're in talks with um, a, a retailer on getting our barbecue sauce on the shelves, um, which is really. Uh, really a thing to me that I look to the future towards is, is, you know, how much our, our retail, our brand can be involved in retail and food products and reaching back to like what you trust and, and expanding our food retail aspect of, of the brand and, and exploring that more. And also with Gold Belly, um, looking to enhance that more with more of the food packages and meal kits and instructional videos to where you know now you you can get the grilled cheese and do it at your house and 
I'll show you how to do it on, on a video, which things like masterclass and a lot of these um, Zoom like we're doing now, um, I, I want to eventually look more into that world and how I can connect with people more and where that platform lies, whether it be like Zoom classes, you know, or any of those things and um, look forward to, to enhancing that more. Awesome. Love that. All right. So we're going to move the show into our closing segment, which we call under the spotlight because this is the morning spotlight. So the spotlighters, which is what I call my audience uh, has been listening to Mike Ham and Adrian Davila. And for the record, so everyone knows I said it wrong. The first time that I asked him how to say it, I totally got it wrong, but he instructed me on how to do it. Davila. So that's how you say it. Everybody. Perfect. Got it. Perfect. Got it. So they listen to us talk for 45, 50 minutes, somewhere around there. So what would be, and we've talked, touched about a lot. We talked about barbecue. We've talked about family. We've talked about business. We've talked about everything in between. What would be one thing that you would want the spotlighters to walk away from this episode with? So you're under the spotlight. I mean, it's so cliche. um, And it's something that with my, my, my father, with our differences that I have so many, so uh, so much indifference with because uh, he's so rough around the edges and you know and not that I'm not but you know just like any generation generational gaps you have different approaches with things but the the testament that I can give to you to walk away from it I think it it followed my family you know the reason we were able to be here is just hard work and devotion uh, you can again you can have every um, uh, all the education in the world or whatever certification that may be in whatever aspect you you do, but hard work and dedication, it always pays off. It will pay off. And that's something that I've learned, um, you know, and that I, that I've got from, from him being so rough around the edges, you know, that man puts it in, you know, to a fault. (laughs) And uh, my grandfather, he did the same thing. And we're lucky, all three of us, to have great women by our side with my grandmother, my mom, and my beautiful wife, Sarah. Um, you know, just whatever you decide to do, you know, do it to the fullest and and just, you know, it's so cliche, but what you put into it, you get out of it. Like, it's that simple. There's no secret quotient to it. Even when started some of this broadcast um, things, I was, quote, unquote, discovered. And at first I thought, you know, man, somebody's going to give you a TV show. And, you know, la-di-da, it doesn't work like that. You know, everything involves hard work and, and dedication and, you know, devotion. So I'd like people to walk away with that because it's just real life. That's, that's who we are. Yeah, awesome. Love that. I and mean, we talked about that a lot. One of my favorite quotes, which I think kind of speaks to this, and I'll just give it to you because I just like to say it, is a Gandhi quote as told by me. So obviously I don't have the same panache as a Gandhi. But uh, if you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly. So like, if you're going to do something, why wouldn't you want to be the biggest, most badass version of that thing? So if you're going to be a barbecue guy, run a restaurant, a barbecue restaurant, why don't you want to be the biggest, most badass barbecue restaurant that you could possibly have? It, that's what it is. That's what we're talking about, right? Yeah. Welcome the, you know, welcome the challenge. Welcome, you know, the what's bestowed upon you. It's all you can do is welcome it and hit it hard. You know, my, my grandfather, I literally feel like he passed this thing on to me. He was very old and he wasn't doing very well. He was winning in one of his last days. And I forgot. They said, hey, Grandpa Adrian's here, you know, your barbecue guy. And he looked at that person. He goes, I was pretty good, too. (laughs) (laughs) And couldn't barely speak a word. And he was so proud of that. 
And I thought to myself, you know, I want I want to love something so much that, that I'm that proud of it and try that hard. Like you say, you're gonna be a bear, be a grizzly. Yeah. So you really have that with with me and I hold on to those things. I love it. I love it. Every I've loved this whole episode. So if people need more Adrian, if the people need more Davila's barbecue, where can they go to get it? Let's hit them with the links. Yeah, you can go to our website at davilasbarbecue.com. Uh, follow us on all platforms, of course. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, davilasbarbecue.com. My own personal Instagram and Twitter and Facebook is the Adrian Davila. The Adrian Davila, because there's so many. Yeah. I had a hard time finding some episodes, like I mentioned before, to do my research. I was looking for podcast episodes, and I was like, oh, man, like I, there's like... And then they also give you the Adriana Davila. And I'm just like, ah, oh, shit, like this is going to be impossible to find. So, but I did find him. I did find him. And I told you I was gonna. So I will make sure that I put those links in the show notes. Uh, I will also make sure that I put my links in the show notes. If for some reason, now that Adrian and I are great friends, if you want to go through me to get to him, because obviously he's super intimidating. Um, so you could just do that. The morning spotlight.com or the morning spotlight at gmail.com. That's the website and the, email address i forget which one i said first but those are them if you want to go through me so adrian thank you so much for coming on with us today talking barbecue talking business talking everything that we talked about i thought this episode was phenomenal and it was great meeting you i'm so glad you came on the show it's great conversation it's always so easy much easier when it's just like having a conversation like a friend with a friend i feel like i've known you already for a long time and i just i love the vibe and your show and I'm just appreciative and thank you for having me. It was it's great. It wasn't like definitely wasn't hard. I enjoyed every minute of it. Well, that's good. That means I'm doing my job the right way. And like, yeah, like I said, I mean, I, I love, I love this episode. I did not really know what to expect going in, but this has just blown every, any expectation I had out of the water. So I really appreciate you coming on and the spotlighters. Thank you for listening to us today. I really appreciate it. And we will catch you next time. All right, brother. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. Just a reminder that any views expressed in the morning spotlight are the views of the speaker and should not be construed to be the views of any other person, any employer, or any organization. Thank you. We'll see you next week.